for watching us online this morning. Thanks for joining us this morning in the congregation. I have a question to ask you this morning. Are you willing to stand up this morning and give God some praise? I like that response. Let's stand up this morning. And on the count of three, I want you to give God your loudest shout of praise, your loudest hallelujah. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Hallelujah.
of the trumpet. Praise Him with a harp and lyre. Praise Him with a tambourine and dance. Praise Him with a clashing of the cymbals. Praise Him with a resounding cymbal. Let everything that has breath, let everything that has breath, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. God be all of the praise. How many of you know that God makes miracles in our lives every day, all the time, and that he's blessing us all the time, and that he's good to us and loves us all the time? Today's scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 2, and it reads as this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I'm glad that everywhere that I look in this room, I see God's masterpiece. Each one of us is God's work. So maybe look to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for getting us out of our beds. And thank you for bringing us to a place where we can worship you. Father God, some are able to be in the building and some are on the online congregation. But wherever your children are, there you are in their midst. So for that, we thank you. Father, by your spirit, and please pour your spirit out on this household of faith as we gather today to sing songs that praise you so that we offer prayers that glorify and praise you so that we hear a message from you. Please be with us, Father, and show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, CTC family. I'm Debbie, and here is this week's news. We are excited to announce that we have a brand new life group forming called Quilting for Love. The group plans to meet once or twice a month on Zoom. If you are interested, contact Milady Simpson at miladycreates at yahoo.com or call 302-344-4165. The group will be making quilts for Helen Graham and other area charities. Even in the middle of a pandemic, many of our life groups are still meeting, some virtually and some in person. If you're not part of a small group, we encourage you to get connected with one today. Right Now Media has a new series from Family Life called The Art of Parenting. This series is designed to help parents make faith the core of their parenting with intentional biblical teaching and Christ-centered plans. Parents will end the experience with renewed confidence, fresh insights on raising your children at different ages, and a parenting plan unique to each child's personality and gifting. Inspired by Psalm 124.4, this series covers topics like forming character, building relationships, and nurturing identity. If you are not connected to Right Now Media, text Right Now CTCDE to 41411 and we will get you connected. Hope Lunch is a ministry to our community every Wednesday at 11 a.m., where we enjoy worship, a message by different speakers each week, and communion. After that, we eat lunch together and send our guests home with a bag of groceries. For many who attend, it is their only weekly worship experience. We need your help. We need three to five people who will step up and take on this ministry as servers for the individually packaged lunches. If you would like to serve in this ministry, contact Lynn Poindexter at lpoindexter at ctcde.net. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus Office at 302-836-2862 or the Elsmere Campus Office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net or if you are worshiping online, you can click the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week.
We're so glad that you're here, whether you're in the room or in your, uh, you are in our online congregation. We're glad that you're here. On your table or on the bench where you're sitting or on the online button that says connect, please fill out a connect card. Let us know who's with you. And it also has this place where you can put in prayer requests. Also, if you're new here, please feel free to stop by the Welcome Center after morning worship. One of our trained service hosts will meet and talk with you. If you're new here and in our online congregation, please let us know that, and we will reach out to you in a special way during the coming week. If you're online, there is a prayer tab that you may click to write your prayer request. You will be supported or exported, imported, I'm not sure which one, to a private chat where a trained hostess will speak with you. On your table or on your bench, there are offering cards. On that card, you may update demographic information, you may list prayer concerns, and it gives you an opportunity to give. And We all know that God loves a cheerful giver, not one who gives out begrudgingly, but one who gives generously and without feeling pressured to give. So we thank you for the gifts that you give because we use it to do kingdom work, and that's very important. And Moses said to all the congregation of the people in Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Would you please stand to your feet as we pray? God, our Father, through all generations, we thank you so much. We thank you because you first loved us. We thank you, Father, because when the original man and woman sinned, you did not turn your back on us. You made covenants with your people. And the final covenant that you've made assures our position as joint heirs to the kingdom of Christ through eternity. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for this worship experience. Please pour your spirit out on this place. Please take the scales away from the eyes of your children so that we can see clearly the message that you have for us. Please open our eyes and our ears so that we receive. Father, we pray for the man of God that you sent to deliver the message. Father, anoint him and refresh him anew. May the words that you gave him pierce our hearts and fill our souls. And when we leave from this place, Father God, we will leave with our eyes firmly fixed on you, ready to do the work that you would have us to do. So we thank you for this. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. And let everyone say amen. Please be seated. 
here we are once again. Good morning. Great to see all of you online uh, as you're worshiping with us. And uh, God is present with us here, and I know that God is uh, with you in your homes or wherever you are worshiping. It's a great day. It's always good to come into the presence of the Lord and to hear His Word. There are many times when I think, um, Lord, what, what am I supposed to share, and what's the point, <laughs> and why are we doing it? And uh, God's good. And there are times when all we need to do is just look at God's Word and open it up, and God has something to tell to us. This, this, this book has been around for a long time, but it speaks the truth, not only of who we are, but of who God is. And it is crucial for us to, to listen to what God is sharing with us and showing to us in that. So we've been going through this series called God's Eye View, and it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to take ourselves out of our own perspective and look at the way that God has is looks at the world. And that's what I'm inviting us to do as we as we go through this. The first a couple of weeks ago when we began and, and we, we the thought was this. God is always seeking. God is a seeking God. God's always searching for his people. And as, a, and as God thinks about himself, God, God is constantly looking for us. The second thing we came to two weeks ago was, if not you, who? God has given to us uh, a responsibility. And from God's point of view, you are the ones who, are, uh, who have the opportunity to tell others who God is. And so God looks at us as being the ones to share the good news of Jesus. And last week we talked about the idea of just try to stop it. God has a purpose, and that purpose is to be a blessing to every person in the world. He chose Abraham to start that blessing. And through Abraham and Abraham's family and then to us, God is continuing to do this. And we can look throughout history and we can think, okay, that's what God's plan is to bless all people. But we see all kinds of barriers throughout time that have threatened God from accomplishing his plan. But God always has. There's in every generation, somebody has followed the plan of God so that the day came when you were able to hear and understand the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you trusted it and you gave yourself to Christ and you're living for him because God, God's plan will continue. Just try to stop it. So this week we come to this big idea, how shall they hear? And in this message today, I want us to think about the ways that God has, has given to us to communicate the good news of Jesus to all people. If it is God's plan to be a blessing to all people, what has God placed in our world for us to be able to communicate that truth of God? I have on the table here this uh, a shofar i'm going to blow it i'm going to turn take my microphone down so it's not too loud uh, and see if i can do this well because sometimes i don't do this very well ah that was kind of it's not easy to do because it's a very small mouthpiece and you got to get your lips in the right place and and the, when I started out, I tried to put, oh my, I, I, I played the trombone when I was in, in, uh, in school. And so I was thinking, this is kind of like a trombone, and a trombone mouthpiece is, is 
as covers this part of I can get most of my lips in the trombone mouthpiece. You can't do that here. So anyway, it's a bit of a shift. Do you know what to do when you hear a shofar? Let me get my microphone back on. A shofar, this is called a shofar. It's a ram's horn. You can picture it growing out of a ram like this. <laughs> and it was, it was cut off, hollowed out. And it's an ancient, ancient instrument. This one, I don't know how old this one is. But for, for thousands of years, people have been using a ram's horn to communicate something. But do you know what to do when you hear the ram's horn? One of the messages that it has been used to communicate is a call to prayer. When the people of God would hear the ram's horn, they knew that it was time to come and pray. Every Saturday night before worship time here at the Bear Campus, every Sunday morning before worship here at the Bear Campus, I blow the shofar. And I blow it loud and I usually go into the mall area where it echoes throughout the entire building so that everybody who hears it knows it's time to come to the celebration room for prayer. And we make a big circle in here and we stand and we pray together. That's what is supposed to happen when you hear the shofar here. Now, there are other things that we hear. We don't always understand the meaning of things when we hear them. For example, here's a here's a, a simple story. In 2018, I don't know who who created the movie. Uh, it was an animated movie of the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. And there's there's a sound in there that's very funny. You know, people are plugging their ears if they were here last night. There's a there's a scene at the beginning of that movie when the Grinch decides that he's going to go. He's going to fill up his sleigh, but he needs somebody to pull his sleigh. And so he goes out into the wilderness and he has a horn and the horn that he plays is mimicking the sound of the reindeer's mating call. So he's trying to attract reindeer to come to him. And so he blows that horn. It sounds something like that. And this little goat comes running up to the Grinch. He doesn't get any reindeer. He just gets this goat. And so this this tiny little goat comes and stands in front of the the Grinch, and the goat makes this noise. I'm going to take my mic off again. That's the right effect. And the Grinch hears that noise, and he says, What? What was that? It's because we got this noise and nobody knows what it means. So, so there are times when we hear things, but we don't quite hear it. Jesus said often, may those who have ears to hear, listen. So we know there's a difference between physically hearing something and understanding it and it coming and being a meaningful part of our life. The shofar is one of those things. It's an ancient instrument, but we've lost track of, of how to use it and what it means. At CTC, like I said, we use the shofar to call everyone to pray. We need to learn at times throughout life that when we hear certain things, it has a particular meaning and we act or we think or we behave differently because of it. Another example is my father when I was growing up, my father had this particular whistle that he could make. I, I, I cannot, rep- I don't know how he made that whistle, but I knew whenever dad whistled like that, one of two things I had to do and do it immediately. If I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing, I was to stop doing that thing <laughs> immediately. 
Or if I was doing something that that I that I wasn't doing or that I wasn't doing something that I was supposed to be doing, dad was getting my attention and saying, I need you to come do something. So every time I heard that whistle, I was conditioned to think or behave or act in a certain way. How shall they hear? That's the question for this morning. If we are to hear things, we must learn how not just to physically hear them, but to listen and understand what is the meaning behind them. God has created us with a natural ability to hear, but he's also created us with the ability to understand and to catch the meaning. If God is a seeking God and he's constantly searching for his people, he's calling out to us. But are we understanding the calls that that come to us through Jesus? One of the good things about the way about God's creation and the way that he created us is that he created us to be able to receive the message and understand it. I grew up in a city called Binghamton, New York. And I remember driving through the city at one time and, and driving past this, 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 iron, this wrought iron tower. It might have been only 100 feet in the air. It wasn't a, a massive piece of, of structure. And it was the, the, the iron, that, the, the legs on it were kind of thin. And it was kind of just, it was just a tower. And it had an antenna on top of it. Now, I call it an antenna. But when they built it, they probably didn't, nobody knew what it was. And there's a plaque on the bottom. It's, it's, a, it's a national historic spot, this, just this little obscure tower. And it has the name Marconi on it. It's called the Marconi Tower. Anybody know who Marconi is? Radio. Good for you, Pastor Vaughn. You said it loud enough so I could hear it. Somebody over here said it first, but I didn't hear it. I'm like, James, did you say it? <laughs> All right, you get the prize, but he gets the glory. <laughs> Yeah, Marconi discovered how to transmit radio signals, and he, he, he built a transmitter in New York City. And then in Binghamton, New York, about 300 miles away, I don't know if it's that far, 200 miles away from, from New York City, he built a receiver. And so it was the first time that he tested his theory of communicating or sending radios uh, a signal with a message on it from one place to another. The good news about God creating us is that God created us to be the receivers of His divine truths. And even though there are times in our lives when we go through difficult things and we say, Where are you, God? Or we say, There is no God. If there was a God, He wouldn't allow this thing to happen. But the reality is that God has created us to be able to receive His love, to be able to receive His power, to be able to receive His care. And not just to hear it, but to understand it in such a way that it changes our lives. Well, why do we need that change? Because there's another truth in this. And that is our sinfulness... One of the consequences of our sinfulness is that it has destroyed our ability to receive what God has for us. That's a consequence of our sin. Let me, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 5 in our Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah was a prophet. God sent him to give a message to the people of God. And this is, and, and this is, one, of the, this is one of the messages that Jeremiah gave. 
It was a warning to his people. And it says, God says, make this announcement to Israel and say this to Judah. Listen, you foolish and senseless people with eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. Have you no respect for me? In other words, there's a, there's, a, there's a rhetorical question here that God is saying to us. I created you to respect me. Don't you respect me? Something has changed in your relationship. You no longer respect me. Why don't you tremble in my presence? You ought to fear the Lord. I created you to have respect for me. That's the fear that we're talking about, that awe, that respect. But we don't do it. Does I, the Lord, define the ocean sandy sea shoreline? Say that 15 times fair. Ocean sandy shoreline. And an everlasting boundary that the waters cannot cross. The waves may, to- may toss and roar, but they can never pass the boundaries I set. But my people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned away and they have abandoned me. That's what we all have done. They do not say from the heart, let us live in awe of the Lord our God, for he gives us rain each spring and fall, assuring us of the harvest when the time is right. We've turned our back on God and we said, no, God doesn't send those things. It's just nature that sends those things. We're smart enough now. It's no longer God who does it. Well, but who created the nature, we can ask in our own time. We refuse to look at the ways that God provides for us. The ways that God has set up nature to create and provide for us. Verse 25 says, Your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful blessings. Your sin has robbed you of all these good things. We can't hear God. We're not aware of God in our lives because of sin in our lives. We can't keep on doing what God says don't do and expect to hear God in our lives. We have to stop it. We have to turn around and obey the ways of God. Just like when my father whistled, (laughs) I would would eventually answer to that call one way or the other. (laughs) I have a choice to make in that. However... I want it to go. Let's look at it this way. God, who is out of this world, came into our world through Jesus. And Jesus, having been at one time wrapped in the flesh of this world, broke out of this world. And He promises to come back to take us into the eternal realm with God. That's what Jesus came to do. God, who is out of this world, and we turned our back on God. At one time, we could have heard God. We could have listened to God. It's one of the beautiful things about the story of creation in the book of Genesis. It's after Adam and Eve have sinned, and they, they, they're now suddenly aware of the separation that they have with God. And they hide. And, and Genesis says they can hear the footsteps of God in the garden. Wait a minute. They hear God walking in the garden. But they're separated from God. Can you hear 
God walking in the garden? Can you hear somebody walking through the grass in your house? Can you hear God appro- somebody approaching? I mean, it's, it's soft. Grass is soft. But Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. That is such an intimate picture of the relationship that God wants to have with us. And even at that time, after their sin, they could still hear God walking in the garden. But eventually, if we continue to walk away from God, we get further and further and our ears get accustomed to hearing the world instead of hearing God. <laughs> well, then sometimes maybe God comes with that little, like a little goat up to us and He goes, <laughs> Just had to do that one more time. That's just fun. And we hear that and we turn around and it's actually God talking to us, but we think, what in the world is that sound? Because we have forgotten how to hear God. God wants us intimately to be to hear Him, to be loved by Him, to be with Him. God who is out of this world is a problem. God came out of His world and into our world in Jesus. This is how we shall hear through Jesus. And this is how they shall hear through Jesus. And we are the ones who have heard the call of God and responded and repented and have confessed and have believed in Him and committed ourselves to follow Him. We are the ones that God is choosing to take that message to be that little screaming goat of love <laughs> to them. Jesus, having been at one time wrapped in the flesh of this world, broke out of this world, but He comes back to us. He promises to come back to us to take us where He is. That is the blessing that God promises to give to all the people of the world through Abraham through all of Abraham's people, and even in just Jesus gets here to all people, to the Jews and the Gentiles, all of us. And to fulfill His promise, God has placed in the very culture the means for us to understand God's love. We can grasp God's love. Not in its fullness, because we're still human, but it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I had Pastor Vaughn is here Thank you that you're here. Sister Gwen, uh, you're at home, I think. Is Gwen at home? Gwen, we love you. Uh, This is a family that's going through a a deep time of grief. And I just took some time and just wrapped my arms around Pastor Vaughn and just prayed with him. And I sensed God's love coming even to me as I asked God to give love to Gwen to give love to Vaughn, to hold them up. And there are many people in our church who are grieving at this time. I had a conversation with a a funeral director uh, just a a few days ago, and the funeral director said, we're getting swamped. (laughs) And it's not just because of COVID. People are dying. Yeah, it is a sign. It is a sign. God is saying, hey, people, this is the little goat that's screaming at us. And are we hearing it as a, as a sign? Turn around and come to God. God desires a relationship with all. And I'm so pleased that through these, through these funerals, the good news of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And people are hearing it. And people are responding to it. In Acts chapter 17, 
verses 16 through 32. It's a long passage, and I'm going to read it, but hang with me. Uh, Acts chapter 16, starting with verse... I'm sorry, Acts chapter 17, starting with verse 16. That's confusing. There we go. Got the right page. Paul had, had entered the city of Athens to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, and he wasn't quite sure how to do it. But Paul knew that this message was not just for the Jews, it was for all people. And so he's in this, in this capital city of the, uh, uh, right? No, Rome is the capital of the, of the Roman Empire. Athens was the capital of the Greek Empire, but still a, a, a powerful and important city in the Roman Empire when Paul got there. So Paul gets to there and he says, while Paul was waiting for others in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And he went into the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers when he told them about Jesus and his, and his resurrection. They said, what, what is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he picked up? All they're hearing from Paul is, a, ah! <laughs> they don't know what it means. Others say he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Foreign gods. And then they took him to the high council of the city and they said, come, tell us about this new teaching. They were interested because God, who is a seeking God, also created us as human beings to be seeking God. And so these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were seeking for God. They didn't know they were seeking for God. They thought they were seeking ideas. They thought they were seeking intelligence. But it's a God-created desire for us to connect with the other. So they brought Paul to the high council of the city and they said, Tell us! We want to know these, these strange things. It's a new teaching that we've never heard before. Paul says if it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. They were curious because God created us curious people. And so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. He says, Men of Athens. Now, Realize where Paul started with. Paul was offended as he came into Rome with all the idols that were there. He was disturbed by it. And he wanted to confront the people. But look how he confronts the people. He doesn't go in there with a stick and knock down all their, uh, all their idols. He doesn't go in there and say, you idiots. He goes in there with respect. And he says, men of Athens... I notice that you are very religious people. So he builds a rapport with them so that he can share with them the good news of Jesus. He doesn't tell them they're rotten. He builds a rapport with them. He says, I recognize that you're looking for something. You've built all these idols because there's something in your human nature, as you call it, that seeks out for somebody else. I see you're very religious. Because as I was walking along, in your, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. It says, to an unknown God. Now we have, a, in America, we have the tomb of the unknown soldier so that we 
so that those who have been lost, we don't know where they are. Their bodies were, were, were destroyed beyond recognition. We can't identify them. We honor them for their sacrifice. And we don't want anyone left out of the honor. And back then, they're doing the same things. They don't want to leave out any of the gods. So if there are any gods out there that we want, we want you to know, gods, that we have built a monument to honor you, whoever you are. But Paul sees an opportunity. And so he says, this God, whom you worship without knowing, he's the one I'm going to tell you about. I know that God. It's the God that you say you can't know. But I've met him. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, He does not live in man-made temples. He's not here. He's not in that shrine. For He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything. And He satisfies every need. And from one man, He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand that they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for all the nations to seek after God and perhaps just feel their way toward him and find him. The seeking God has created a seeking people in the hopes that at some point in our life we will just grope, either in our pain or our searching or in our curiosity. And we'll come across the God of the truth. And, he says, find Him. Remember, one of our principles was, just try to stop it. God's plan and God's purpose is that we all find Him. Lost my spot. Feel their way toward Him and find Him. Although He is not far from any one of us. God is not far from any one of us. Is it a scripture that says something like this? Or is it a a, a famous preacher or somebody that said at some point, don't get distressed when you feel like you're away from God before when you feel like you're far from God, that's when you are closest? Just turn around (laughs) and recognize God. Oh, maybe it was me that said that. He made them out. His purpose was for all the nations to feel their way and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, what does it say? For in him we, Ron, and, and, (laughs) that's Pastor Vaughn, that that flows off Pastor Vaughn's lips more than spit. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little crude, Pastor Vaughn, but (laughs) he says that every day. In whom we live and move and have our very being. It comes from Acts chapter 17, verse 28. As some of our, your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by a craftsman from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sin and turn to him. For he has set the day for judging in the world, judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to every, everyone who this is by raising him.
from the dead. Now, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some people laughed at him in contempt. You're a fool. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. So that ended Paul's discussion with them. Some of them joined Paul and believed him. And among them were Dionysius, a member of the council. Remember? The high council of Athens. Dionysus was a member of the high council, and he became a believer in Jesus. And a woman named Demarus, and others with them. How shall they hear? God has created ways for us to be able to effectively communicate the good news to every culture so that they can understand it. This was not the culture of of Jerusalem. This is the culture of Athens. Paul knew that if he went in there and he insulted everybody, they'd turn him off. So the Holy Spirit instructed Paul to say, go in there, don't don't insult them, gain their favor so that you can get a hearing. And let me do the rest. And God has given us the job. And so for every generation and for every culture, from Jesus until you, somebody has been telling the story in such a way that you get it. Because God created us to be able to hear and listen. There's a story of a missionary in uh, Irian Jaya. His name is Don Richardson. And he, God moved him to go to a people who had, they, 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 they were a cannibalistic tribe in Irian Jaya, uh, Papua New Guinea. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's called Papua New Guinea anymore. It was called that back in the 1950s and 60s. So Don Richard and his wife Carol went to take the good news of Jesus to these people, but they were head-hunting people. They were cannibals, and in their culture at the time, uh, they, you, we've heard the phrase "fatten the friendship for the kill," and this is exactly what this culture would do. They would, they, would, they would be warring or an enemy tribe that was not too far away. They would try to find somebody from that tribe who they could befriend. And they'd all be very nice to him. And they'd invite him in and they'd get to know him and they'd introduce him around the tribe. And then they'd say, why don't you come back and meet with our tribal leaders? So several times they would meet with this person so that they would build trust. And then they would get them, gather around in one of their feasts having all the elders, the, the, the tribal elders around the room. And then at some point during that feast, all those elders would stand up and they would beat and kill the man from the other tribe. And that's the way they did their battles. That's one of the ways they fought their wars. Yes, they burned him and they ate his flesh. That's what they did. So Don Richardson goes... God, you're calling me to take the good news to these people who are killing one another. It's not a bad idea. (laughs) Because God created us to live, right? But they speak a language that Don Richardson doesn't know. There are no books to tell Don Richardson how to speak this language because their language has never been written down. And, And so Don Richard goes and he has to learn the language. And just like Jesus, God sent Jesus into our culture to tell us who God is. Don Richardson went into their culture first to learn who they are and how they speak. 
I'm going to show you a clip in a minute about what happens in that and, and how, how God works in that. The point in this is that God has placed within our cultures a means to effectively communicate the good news and the truth of what Jesus has done for us. So I mentioned to you that they were a headhunting tribe, and the value that they had, the highest value was treachery in their culture. That trickery, that ability to, to, to befriend somebody and then trick them until they were dead. We have to, uh, that, that, was, that was the highest ability. I mean, in our, in our culture, we value honesty, we value love, we value truthfulness, uh, we value openness, we value all kinds of things that we call good. In that culture, the best good was your ability to trick somebody else. And we saw that with this, in, in this scene. So Don Richard goes in there, and, and, and the, the, the tribes are at war with each other for months. And Don Richardson and his wife are healing people. They're, they're treating wounds, and they're grieving those who are killed, etc. They're living life with, with the people. And Don Richard, is pre- he's praying. He's, Lord, help me find a way to effectively communicate what you have done through Jesus Christ to these people. They don't know what a... They don't know what a um, a manger is. They don't have mangers. <laughs> they don't have all kinds of things that we use in the, in the, uh, used then in the Middle East when Jesus was here to communicate the truth of what Jesus did. They don't have donkeys here. How can Mary ride a donkey? How can I tell them Mary rode a donkey? They don't even know what a donkey is. <laughs> How do I communicate to them what you have done, Jesus? Finally, Don Richardson was talking with them one with with some of them one day and just asking, "Why do you not stop fighting? Because there's no peace. Isn't there a way to make peace? Oh yes, there is a way to make peace." And all of a sudden, God starts to reveal to Don Richardson, and he and he heard about this, what's what they call the peace child. And the peace child is when the chief of one tribe takes his son and gives his son to the chief of the other tribe. And in a ceremony, we're going to see, we're going to see a clip of that ceremony. The chief who's giving his takes, the, takes this infant child from his mother, walks past all of his warriors. Every warrior lays his hands on the child. That chief takes the child on on whom every warrior's hands have been laid, gives it to the other chief. Gives the child to the other chief. That chief takes the child. He walks past all of his warriors and every one of his warriors lays his hands on the child. And then that chief gives the child to his wife for her to raise the child of the other tribe. As long as that child lives, there's peace between the two tribes. I want you to watch the clip and see what happens and how Don Richardson uh, deals with things when he sees this truth. Painfully, Isai took his own infant son, his only child, from his wife. 
The mother wailed for the lost. Our hearts went out to her. After each of the Kamur warriors had touched him, Isai offered his son to the war chief of Hainam, who accepted him as the Taro, the peace child. As long as the child lived, the peace would be kept and all the wrongs of the past would be as though they had never been. The child was given to the care of a Hainam woman who would rear him as her own. Then the warriors gathered at the manhouse and bound the two war chiefs with a bow, symbolizing the oppression of war. With the cutting of the bowstring, the peace was sealed. I'd been baffled by it at first, until God gave me the grace to see that this was his means of making clear to the Sawi the good news that Carol and I had come to bring. In the same way, God saw that peace could not be unless he gave his son. With a Sawi peace child, the peace lasts only as long as the child lives. But God has sent the once and for all peace child, the Christ Torah, and he will never die. We couldn't have imagined the impact of these words on Isai. Because he'd given his own son, he grasped them fully, became our first Christian, and began telling others what was in his heart. In time, there were enough Sawi Christians to begin the construction of a church a structure of a height and circumference they'd never seen before, yet using the same materials they used to build their houses. Carol's clinic and her reading classes grew and grew, while I took on a translation of the New Testament into the Sawi language. missionary planes began flying in frequently, bringing help and materials to the growing church. church was completed, 
Now Sawi tribesmen from villages that had once feuded endlessly with each other gather under its stone for fellowship. Isai became just one of the lay preachers in the congregation. Here, the Lord's Supper is celebrated with a roll of cooked sago, the staple of the Sawi people. And because the Sawi are without native drinking vessels, a tin can is our communion cup. As missionaries, we are dedicated to preserving all that is good in the art and culture and customs of the Sawi people. But encroachment from the outside is inevitable. Carol and I thank God that the gospel of Christ got here first. Powerful illustration. God has placed within our culture the means to be able to communicate the good news of Jesus. And we don't have, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as the peace child. God has placed you in a work setting. God has placed you in a family setting. God has placed you in, uh, in a community. And, and God has called you to share the good news that you experience. Through Jesus, and if you're hearing this and 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 you, you don't believe that or you 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 don't understand, I urge you to open yourself up to the truth and the reality of God, and confess your own sins. Say, God, I do recognize that you created me. There, I am searching for something. Well, Pastor Roger says it's God. <laughs> well, I guess I challenge you to. Come to Jesus and test Jesus. Say, Jesus, come in and give me that sense that Pastor Roger is talking about. You won't experience it until you step into it. And I know that life is still difficult. Even the the, 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 the Sawi people, they still had anger and bitterness and jealousy and all these things because those are part of humanity also. But Jesus comes to bring a difference in our life, and he does. And we simply need to trust in Him. God is equipping you and me to go to all people with the power and the insight of the Holy Spirit. And He will help us find those ways to communicate and share this good news with all people. It's like we are to become like Christ to others, just as Jesus left His place. One more scripture I want to share with you, and that's from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And again, this reminds us of that that Jesus left his heavenly place, came down to our place, lived life as we do, 
defeated death, went back to his father and will come again to take us to him. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared as human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, our Heavenly Father. Let's take some time as we close our worship to just pray and let God speak to us. And you talk back to God. Open yourself to hear God's call. Perhaps God's call in your life. Ask God, can you do this? Ask God, Lord, show me how you want me at work, how you want me and my family to communicate your grace and love to those who do not know you and who are searching for you so that someday as they're groping, they may feel their way and find you, God, who is searching for us. Let's pray together. I invite you to stand if you're here in the room with me and we'll sing and pray. If you want to come here at the platform area to pray, I invite you to do so. And let's call out to God and let's listen to God. Let's sing and pray.
being with us this morning in every place, every time, wherever we are. I ask your Holy Spirit to continue. Just bless the homes, bless the families. Strengthen us with your Holy Spirit as we go forth. We want to keep seeking you. We want to pay attention to those others who are seeking you. We want to hear you. Open our ears. Open our ears. Open our eyes. In everything we do, we ask this in Jesus' name. Now let's go forth from here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of His Holy Spirit be with us, binding us together, strengthening and empowering us to go out and live for Him as He calls us to do. God bless you. Have a great day. Grace, faith, be upon, and without, generation.